G'day everyone, how are you going? Welcome back to uh, the Future of Human and Social Services podcast. Today we have a fantastic topic to talk about, very, very uh, topical in the current environment in particular, but also going forward as we move past the pandemic. I do have two very special guests with me today. Uh, I'd like to welcome Diana Haru to the podcast. I think listeners may have um, heard Diana before. Uh, Diana, welcome. You are a partner in our management consulting practice. You specialise in uh, workforces and change management. How are you? Great, Martin. Thanks for having me here. Anytime, as always. And <laughs> we also have Michael Capers back. Uh, Michael is a partner in our Edmonton office and specialises in human and social services across all areas of the country and all sectors. Michael, welcome back. Hi, Martin. Thanks for having me back. As always. Today, we're going to talk about workforce and workforce within the confines of human and social services. And what's most interesting that I think we've picked up in the last 12 or so months since the pandemic has been ongoing has been the fact that people now fully appreciate the, the workforce within the social services sector. And I'm not saying they didn't before, but I think they value the workforce in a very different way now. And they see the value of the people that actually do some of these jobs. And these are, can be very hard, very complex jobs. And Gianna, I just want to start with you. you. You live and breathe this every day. You work with a lot of organisations across the social services sector, across the country. I was just wondering if you've seen any unique challenges that organisations have had to face with their workforce in the, in the current environment. Absolutely, Martin. And... I'll start by saying and agreeing with you, the value certainly has been shining over the last year on the human and social services workforce. This is a workforce that you and I and Michael know every day brings joy and purpose uh, to the work that they do, regardless of the role. But here are three key challenges that I would uh, share with, with you both today, with everyone. First, wellness. And I mean wellness in a very holistic perspective, a challenge of rest and recovery for the current workforce, for the exhaustion, both physical and mentally, personally and professionally, that the workforce has undergone, but also wellness in terms of renewal. It's both a challenge and an opportunity for the human and social service organizations to attract and retain new skills to renew the workforce, to strengthen it in the uh, years ahead. A second key challenge, I'm going to simply call it joy at work. This is about employee experience, but looking at employee experience from a much needed lens of inclusion, equity, diversity. And then thirdly, and very practically, the challenge of how to support a workforce that for the most part has been working in manual processes, legacy technologies, and shift their ways of working to a new digital world. Those would be the three I would put into the conversation today. Yeah, that last one's most interesting too, because there is a discussion and a debate that's being had around shifting focus to more high value activities and service provision, as opposed to you know getting caught doing paperwork on Excel spreadsheets, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Michael, you, you have worked in this sector 
for a long time. I'm not going to uh, age you in any way, shape, or form. Fit, <laughs> have you seen some challenges? I think what Deanna sort of spoke to around those three topics is really quite interesting. And I also, I think when we think about workforces, particularly in social service organizations, you have to think about both the paid and the unpaid, because many of our organizations that we work with and many of our social services organizations across Canada rely on a huge volunteer base. So, you know, I know in our in one of our last podcasts, we talked to the Edmonton Food Bank and, you know, they rely heavily on volunteers to help with packaging food and getting hampers out. And when COVID hit suddenly, all of a sudden it's kind of like, oh, how are we going to manage the volunteers? Are people going to feel comfortable still coming to help? What's that going to look like? And I think the volunteer management piece was huge. And in many instances, volunteer management is still, for many organizations, a manual process. And that can be challenging when it comes to scheduling and knowing how many shifts that you might not have capacity for or that you require capacity for. And, and I think that's a nuance that, that many social service organizations are facing. I think the well-being piece, too, that Deanna talked to, I saw a survey the other day that Charity Village had done about the human resource related impacts to social service organizations. And it, it talked about the fact that 10% of social service organizations have seen workforce reductions over the COVID period. And that, that's a huge number when you think about it. And it's not all areas because different social service organizations in different sectors with different mandates will be affected differently by COVID in terms of their funders and, you know, the needs of their clients and whatnot. But like, you know, turnover in the workforce is a huge issue, you know, not only for people who have had to be on the front lines, but may have lost their job as well as part of it. Because I think a lot of social service organizations had to make some really tough calls when funding sources started to dry up. They weren't able to do their large fundraising events, et cetera, to pay for their pay for their staffing. So it it is an interesting one too, because you know, talking to clients, they haven't stopped. You know, twenty four seven has been the mm-hmm. has been the mo for a fair period of time now, and and you know this wellness and and being burnt out is certainly being felt on the ground. The the question I have though is, Diana and Michael, if you're thinking about those challenges, what what are some of the organisations doing with their workforces to address those? Martin, um, we'll start with wellness, then I'll, I'll, I'll talk about other aspects. From a wellness perspective, creativity um, and adapting your programs is the name of the game. It leaders in organizations are listening to what their people need and shifting their wellness programs to respond and respond in a timely way, uh, whether that be creative approaches to connecting and communicating. I'll tell you, Michael and Martin, even as simple as uh, I heard recently, leaders sending thank you notes to staff the old-fashioned way in a lovely handwritten note, that, that sense of gratitude is a small yet powerful message. And other organizations are thinking creatively about how they can create space to provide time off, a wellness day having days where there are no meetings, just trying to find supports for their teams and their workforce. Other different ways though to tackle these challenges, thinking about new roles and new teams. So here's something that I find really cool and I've heard it's been resonating with many human and social service organizations. 
just busting through the silos. Like people are thriving to work differently. One organization recently just dropped the standard committees that they had within their organization and instead stood up with new membership task forces, working groups in a more agile approach to work across uh, silos. Another organization is thinking bigger and broader. In Ontario, there's an organization that recently created a health team, creating connections to pharmacists, creating connections to dentists. So they're finding ways to create space, new conversation, new jobs, new roles for teams. The last thing I'll say, and, and I'll bring it back to digital transformation, this isn't a long game. So for human and social service organizations that are looking to transform their ways of working through technology, the leading organizations are acknowledging it's not just enough anymore to look at your skills and capabilities of your current workforce and support them in the change. You also have to be very deliberate in shifting your culture to embrace that new way of working. And as the three of us know, that is a journey, but it's a journey that has to be started just as you're thinking about the technology itself. Yeah, I think I think the technology piece is a really interesting one because I think more organizations, and I'll say more so at the provincial government level, you know, with their human and social service workforces are starting to think more about the technology piece and that help the frontline workers who work in the fields to empower them to do their jobs differently you know, whether it's through a mobile solution on a on an app or a tablet or virtual consultations with clients or specialists to support the individuals that they have. I think it's an interesting challenge for uh, nonprofit social services who may not be who may not have the same depth and ability to raise funds or to fund technology options. And I think that there I think there's a bit of a misconception or at least i've heard of it in some conversations i know that we've had across the country with with the sector you know where they feel like technology is expensive and in many instances it can be but i think there's lots of really scalable solutions that can work across a whole host of different shape and sized organizations and maybe even you know exploring new partnerships with with different organizations or different vendors to sort of explore some of that too is is kind of how people have to start thinking about embracing that technology to empower your workforce. Martin, you were part of some of those conversations. I, I guess what were some of your takeaways from just what you've heard about people, you know, and, and adapting their workforces yeah. to technology? People can look at this two ways. And I know we at KPMG have been thinking about the fact that if you embrace the change, it actually leads to more opportunity as opposed to fearing the change and you know, putting your head in the sand and hoping it washes over you and, and you can keep doing what you're doing. And I do think, I really, really do think that service providers are now at an inflection point where the change is here through external factors you know, around, around a pandemic, but also just the nature of the cycle and that those that embrace it those that look at the opportunity and go, you know, we we got to embrace the technology side of it, but what does that mean for our workforce? Okay, we need a different group of people coming in. We need to recruit in different ways. We need a different skill set. We'll thrive in this environment. And as strange as this is, there is a fairly significant opportunity now 
to get a to start to build that different workforce because there are unfortunately a large number of people, highly skilled people, who are probably looking for something else to do or need to find something else to do. And and I think it actually represents a really unique opportunity to move through the change quite quickly using the external environment as one of the catalysts. And the reason why I say that is the work that the social service organisations are now doing is complex and complicated, right? And it's not a transactional, They come a person comes into the office anymore uh, or to the front desk to receive one thing and then move off and, and you know, it's all solved and hey, presto. There are complexities at play, there are complications at play, multiple needs at play, and we all know this. We've all been talking about this for years, but we're now at a point where we have to figure it out and sort it out, and I think coming up with a new way of thinking about your workforce, looking at different groups of people with different skills and different abilities and different backgrounds, and as you said, Diana, inclusion and equity and diversity approaches as well, getting people you'd never even thought of into your organisation can only but be a great opportunity and I think a really good thing. Absolutely. Um, That's not easy. I mean, life is not easy at the best of times, right? That's just how it is. And, And I do think those that can pivot around this and embrace this and think through their workforce issues will thrive in this environment. They really, really will. It then, though, does lead to a question and maybe this is the last question, around embracing these new ways of working. And, and you know, you do have this arrangement now where you have uh, a, a group of people who may have been in the sector for a long time and new people coming in and, you know, the clash of generations. Diana, you're doing some work around this with technology and, and change. How, how do organisations get their workforce to embrace some of these new tools, these new ways of working, these new ways of thinking? This sounds simple, Martin. Absolutely. It's not. (laughs) It's it's definitely not simple, but if there's a core principle and something I really encourage organizations to focus on, it's not about the technology. If it becomes about the technology, you've set yourself up for failure. Yeah, agreed. People, whether they are new to your organization or they have been with you in your workforce for decades, they're connected by the same thing. They're there because they want to not only be empowered and feel valued, they want to do great work for the individuals that their organization is serving. Yeah, it's a so, purpose. It exactly. really, it's a really different way of like approaching it. And the, the, the change is still going to be significant. Um, yeah. There's no getting around that. But if you can really, in a sincere way, keep the change focused on the why the organization is there and why it's important to your people. And that that keeps it focused on the clients. And that's what matters to people. That would be my best advice is don't focus on the tech. uh, Really focus on why. Why that technology is important. Focus on how it helps you to serve the people that you serve in a better way. Right? How it helps you to connect people to the right services at the right time. How it helps you to deliver those things. I think that's. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one, Deanna, because I, I would agree with you. It's really coming back to that purpose piece. Yeah, and the nuance that needs to be in place. 
and thought through. I, I do like this purpose. As I said before, there's an opportunity now and, and there are more and more people really rethinking what they want to do with themselves and doing a job or being involved in something that actually has meaning. You know, the last 14 months have been difficult for a lot of people and, you know, they want to be able to do something with a bit of meaning. I, I, I do think that is critical as well. Look, Michael and Deanna, I, I really want to thank you for your time. It was short. It was very, very sweet. Um, this isn't the only one. We will be doing more of these on various different topics over the coming weeks and months. We want the conversation to continue. We want people to give us feedback, um, contact us to have a, these discussions. We are having these discussions with organisations all the time. Um, and you know some of the things coming through are really interesting and fascinating. So I just want to thank you too again. Thanks, Martin. Right.